Mr. Alante Piazza on the pod. Hello. The drummer of Radio Keys himself. Elusive. Like a rare Pokemon. He's here, though. It only took, what, a year? <laughs> yeah. We've been, actually, you're the first one since our uh, anniversary of the podcast. Nice. Congratulations yeah. on that, by the way, man. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten some po- downloads. My parents have downloaded it in every platform 10 times each. So <laughs> we got the numbers bolstering. Well, I've gotten to see what it takes for you guys to do this every week over the year you've been doing it. And it's like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's definitely something that you have to keep doing over and over and over and keep the... Uh, just keep it going because uh, the second you stop it, it's like you lose all momentum, you know? And um, it was way tough when they lived in St. Helena. Yeah, yeah. We were just commuting back and forth. It's like an hour each way. It was, it was brutal. <laughs> Sounds like it. That's kind of like that with everything, though, right? I mean, just keep, stop, keep stop, doing it. Yeah, you stop playing guitar for two months. and Dude, I have before, too, and I sucked. Like our old shows, like any of yeah, our old yeah, shows, you yeah, can yeah. tell I like picked up the guitar like maybe uh, a month like before the show or a couple weeks before the show, maybe even the week of the show, and uh, it was always tough. Your hand, my hands were never there, you know. That happens with me with shows. Like even if we haven't played a show in three weeks, I get on stage and it's like all new again. I'm like, oh man, dude, you've been on fire lately, though. I feel like you've had a lot of good shows in a row. Yeah, you've been man, really I, well. I. It takes a while to just get in a groove and get comfortable with everything, yeah. even though it's songs and parts that I wrote, Yeah, <laughs> which you would think would make it easier. But I think with drums, it's, it's like a rhythm, man. It's like dancing. Yeah. yeah. There's, I can see that. With everything that you're doing and keeping time with your hands and feet and all that stuff. I can't, I can't imagine, man. I mean, like, basically, it's a very different skill set than the guitar because we're Doing, uh, us guitarists are doing our best to synchronize our two hands, doing the exact same thing, basically, with a little bit of variation in, in each hand. But mm-hmm. for the most part, like you're pressing down a fret and you're hitting that string at the same time. And the drums are the opposite. You're trying to do something different with every hand. Yeah, every hand and every, every yeah, leg, too, man. Like, <laughs> How many hands do you have? <laughs> no, but it's a four-way coordination, you know? Like, um, very rarely we'll all of my limbs or even two of them be doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, drummers out there know that your left foot's doing something completely opposite of your right foot and your left hand is usually the most quiet, keeping backbeat on snare and stuff yeah. like that. But it's just finding the balance of like not doing too much and yeah. still sounding tasty. What? What is it that first drew you to the drums? Because I know you played you played trumpet first, right? You yeah. and I played trumpet first as well. Yeah. Well, actually, technically, I played the triangle first, but it's funny. I know a lot of drummers who actually started off playing brass instruments, which is yeah. It's, it's, is it just because there was like little? I know that in my school, I would have killed to play a drum kit. Yeah. But it's like there's one drummer, whereas there are like a million brass players, you know, in, in those high school bands. Yeah, with me, like, I just, I was attracted to trumpet first just because, like, growing up in my house with my mom, and there'd be a bunch of, like, Al Green and, like, all these awesome old school cats with these just nasty brass lines and stuff like that, and I just saw the trumpet, and it looked so cool to me. And then there was this, the janitor at my middle school, Mr. Kenny, 
Oh, shout out Mr. Kenny. Shout out Mr. Kenny, dude. <laughs> I actually saw him at Boomers like a year ago. And he's, <laughs> what is yeah, Boomers? Dude, Boomers, it's like, it's like Camelot. Like they have uh, mm. the go-karts and okay. the arcade and stuff. So he was just go-karting? Yeah, yeah. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, man, I've been playing pretty much ever since I met you. You should check out my band and stuff. And like, that's awesome. I had so like you were a, in Radio Keys by the time. Yeah, yeah. I had like a moment, man. I was just like, you know, I was like you're, you're the reason that I that Aww. I play drums. You know, it was it was big for me. But um, let's get back to the point. The trumpet was first, and then I realized that like I didn't really care about trumpet. Yeah. Like I didn't. There was just no emotional attachment. Was it one of those things where like you didn't want to disappoint the band teacher? <laughs> like yeah. Because I like got. <laughs> I was like decent at trumpet, but my fundamentals were all jacked up, so I was never going to get beyond a certain threshold. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't really play that quick, mm-hmm. um, and so I just was doing it kind of to appease the band director, who knew I could, you know, fill in that second trumpet or whatever. Yeah, I think like in the band, at least in my middle school band, there was like eight hundred trumpets and seven hundred saxophones, and there was just Always. <laughs> and there's just one guy playing all the percussion stuff. And I mean, back then it's like a triangle, bass drum, yeah. claves, right? And it yeah. wasn't all that attractive. But I mean, I started playing snare, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, this is this you is saw, what's what was up that, right here." Uh, Nick Cannon. What was that? Yeah, drum yeah. Line? <laughs> drum line. <dude. laughs> like I, that's me, man. I, I love be that. I love to watch that movie now that I, you know. I'm not a complete crap drummer, and just <laughs> when did that come out? Like, is that around the time you were playing? I mean, I feel like it was when I was like 13 or 14. Yeah, it had to be middle school. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Funny part when I played baseball, <laughs> my my walk up theme was the the drum solo from Drumline. That's no way. <laughs> I swear to God. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Because oh I was like, God. I was known in high school as the the drum major baseball guy, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, this can be great. Like. <laughs> I'm gonna have this marching band intro, and it, now that I look back, it was. <laughs> it was <laughs> don't do that. No, it's cool though. I like that. <laughs> I mean, it's cool to be like. I don't know. It's just cool to have two things that you're known for, rather than just being a you know one a one thing guy. Like for the longest time, I mean, it's not the same as high school baseball, which is a whole different animal. But I was doing you know a lot of ultimate frisbee and a lot of music too. So I think, I think kind of being an athlete lends well to being. A musician because it's a lot of body awareness and body coordination and sports and discipline, requ- man. And what was that? Discipline. Oh yeah, discipline for right. sure. Yeah, discipline. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, attributes that kind of lend well to both. So if you're a good like my buddy Curtis, he was a really good athlete growing up. He was like you know high school quarterback, starting quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, killed it in ultimate frisbee. One of the best players in the country in college probably and. And uh, he just started playing guitar. I think, I think it was in college. It might have been a little bit in high school, but I think it was in college. And he picked it up really fast. Mm-hmm. And his um, his strumming is really good, and his coordination is just really good. I think it's a lot. Like I said, a lot of body awareness. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So you did uh, you did trumpet, and then you started doing uh, Nick Cannon snare drums. <laughs> so I started playing just basic <laughs> concert snare and like symphonic band playing all that good stuff you know holiday tunes and stuff you know the 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 basic middle school jingle bell rocks and stuff yeah and then there was this thing yep jams and it was like a like a funk band in middle school that that janitor mr kenny i was telling you yeah he started that and i hopped on kit man and i was just horrible i thought i was killing 
<laughs> I, th- I thought I was a killer. We always do. Yeah. Now that I look back, I mean, I, th- I was just playing like syncopated, just garbage. But yeah. back then, I mean, I was twelve. You know. Yeah. And everyone got to start somewhere. Everyone was bad, but it was so oh, yeah. much fun. And I pretty much, I mean, I've never played anything since then, since seventh grade. Just been playing kit. Yeah. And uh, it's just like a part of who I am now. Yeah. I think most people would, you know. Hey, that's Alante. Oh, he's the drummer. Well, for me, like, I wouldn't even know what I would be doing if it weren't for music. Because, like, like you said, you played baseball. Mm-hmm. But then, um, well, you haven't told everyone on the podcast, but you had an injury, which kind of silenced your career at a certain point. It's still hard to talk about. Yeah, I know. My bad, dude. <laughs> now, yeah, I blew out my Achilles. And, like, the... You're, you're playing some college ball, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Blew out my Achilles and what be what would be equivalent to spring training in college. Yikes. So I, I played two games, third game, laced a double, right nice. field gap, come around the bag and just blow out the ankle. And it was, it, it does, it feels exactly like people say. I felt, I thought someone kicked me from behind. Yeah. And I turned around and there was nowhere near, no one near me. And I was yeah. just like, uh oh. And I just laid there. They tagged me and then got carted off the field. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they, they tagged you like a bunch of assholes. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So well, you were like in the you were in no man's land between like I was just in between second. first and second base, yeah. laying there. And they, you know, they relayed it, and the guy comes up and tags me Could on you, the back. Didn't you crawl? Dude? <laughs> Come on, man. That's why I didn't make it to the bigs, dude. No effort. <laughs> <laughs> a little effort would be nice, huh? But that was the last time I put on cleats. Wow. Haven't played since, and you haven't you haven't been able to really. Has it felt the same ever since then, or it's weak? Like, I'll wake up in the morning and it's it's stiff. Yeah, I can't run anymore. That's tough. I can't really jump. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you run you, in the gym though, right? Yeah, I can run on the treadmill, but it's a little different running on a treadmill than like t- like lacing up some cleats and Definitely. running around bases and stuff. It's not basketball. You're I mean, not. you have the fast twitch muscle. I have the slow twitch, so I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't rip anything. If anything, like I get sore, but it's been, uh, it's more long distance, built for you know, yep. hours of running rather than quick, quick. Hey, man, you got, you got some good cardio, dude. We used to play basketball <sighs> back anymore. in the day. Not anymore, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did have, we did have a lot of fun. We should get back into that because Lord knows I need to get back into some cardio dude. shit. Me and Stu used to uh, used to come pick me up from my house, and we'd go to the court and play the the slowest game of like twenty one <laughs> ever. <laughs> I was like, like Charles Barkley in the post, just yeah. backing you down for like forty five seconds. <laughs> and this was back when I was like hundred and sixty eight pounds yeah. with with a weight vest on. Yeah, and I was know? a big boy. Yeah, I was like two. Stu was about two fifty, just <laughs> abusing me in the paint. <laughs> no jump shot, no layup package, nothing, just, dude. Nothing. Just, just, Wiping me out in the paint, dude. Mouse in the house. Well, it's fun because we both love basketball. Like we watch it all the time. We grew mm-hmm. up watching it, and uh, and it's like I never really played it though. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> now that I've you know, it's so it's, much harder to play oh, than it's it so looks. Hard. And especially with like you know the Bay Area Warriors fever that broke out in like 2014, mm-hmm. uh, 13. We were all about playing. At that point, you had a you had a nice court right next to your house too. Super nice, man. Shout out Emeryville. Yeah, yeah. Emeryville. Yeah. And uh, I before I moved back, I used to play with my buddy Dan in basketball all the time. We play twenty one or something like that. Mm-hmm. It would never really get that intense. There's a few times I've played. I mean, it like I don't play basketball to try to be intense. I look at it as like strictly like fun cardio. Dude, un- unfortunately, I can't do that. Like. <laughs> 
if I'm playing anything, if we're playing uh, beer pong, I'm like, I'm like, I don't like you right now. I know that's that's why you didn't like me when uh, me you guys and Colin just dominated us in dominated Santa Barbara, you dude. And Tom. <laughs> Oh man, that Tom was... always talks a big game, and then he gets smoked every that was... time. I've never <laughs> seen Tom like have a winning night in beer pong. That was rough, man. We decided to start playing beer pong at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, this is officially like the total bro podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun though. The Santa Barbara was a good time. We like you know did the album release show, and then after that, it was just all fun. And why not save some money and just play with the old college buddies some old college drinking games? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, really. It... If you're in Santa Barbara and you're not from Santa Barbara, it's kind of like being in Vegas. Yeah, totally. And it's like my Vegas rule, dude. Like, you don't go to Vegas for longer than three days. <laughs> yeah, it's just might, impossible. You might die. Yeah, that's the same thing with Santa Barbara. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened to Elvis. <laughs> he didn't make it out. <laughs> we all know I love Elvis. Yeah, you love Elvis. Uh, shit, yeah. But I think, I don't know, I think it's important to, to maintain, like, a healthy lifestyle, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about it a little bit on the podcast. I know it's like definitely like I think it lends well to every aspect of your life. If you can stay disciplined in your physical health, it helps stay disciplined on guitar, mm-hmm. discipline in booking shows, discipline in practicing, uh, just discipline in everything. Yeah, I think it just becomes like a way that you attack your life. Mm-hmm. Like there are days I get out of work, man, and it's 530. Don't want to. Yeah. But I Absolutely just, not. <laughs> yeah, right? But my body just drives to the gym. It's like, it's like a part of my day. It's like I wake yeah. up, I brush my teeth. It's like, oh, I get off work, I go to the gym. Yeah. And like, what that does for me, man, is it just shows me that I can like, be consistent with something. Totally. That's, the re- that's like the reason I started working out. It was like I was kind of tired of saying that I was going to do stuff and never following through with yeah. it. And it was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this, man. And you know, a year later and 40 pounds How long pounds have you been later, like, really hitting the gym hard the last like year and a half year and a half yeah Yeah. like like for real like you were like 100 160 some odd pounds 165 man yeah there's there's a i look like a marathon runner yeah and then you put on what like 40 pounds of muscle or something like that like 40 pounds pretty impressive man it just shows two years i'd say two years 40 pounds yeah and it just shows that like it is possible to do that i have a lot of friends who are just like, oh, I can never work out. I'm not strong enough. Or they're like embarrassed about starting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is that fear where you like, it has like a stigma, like a meathead stigma, you mm-hmm. know, where people are like, um, they think that it's all like uh, vanity and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it, it it's like, this is your one vehicle that you have to propel your life. And if you're just going to wear it down, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to have any upkeep on it or anything like I think the biggest fear for me was quitting something again. Yeah. Like, like, what we did talk- you quit before that you like? Well, not quitting, about? but not f- finishing something. Like the whole baseball thing, right? Yeah. Like, I, I've always felt like, man, I didn't even, you know, most people don't make it to the big leagues, right? Yeah. But even like fizzling out in single A or something, like, at yeah. least you gave it everything you had. And I always sort of had regrets that I never got to go as far as I was going to go with that. And then just like little stuff in life, like relationships that I feel like I didn't give everything to or just stuff like that. And it was, that was my biggest fear with working out is that I was going to start and then it would fizzle out yeah. like, you know, other things in my life. So I think that's why I'm so um, like steadfast. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think, I mean, it makes me feel great. I actually feel like guilty when I don't go now. Dude, I just dropped steadfast, man. 
Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever said that word before <laughs> yeah, in my what's life. What's wrong dude. with you? What's I don't going know. over you, man? <laughs> the, the record button goes <laughs> on, dude. I just start using words I've never That's used funny. before. <laughs> Steadfast working out. Yeah. Stay working out. Yeah, man. I don't know. I think that's cool. I, I do think that's cool. I, I do the same thing. We're trying to get Tom in the gym. It'll work. It'll work one day. Dude, now that he's in Oakland, man, going to he's going to uh, four days a week yep. to slowly wean himself off that. Uh, dude, Tom would be... A powerhouse. Yeah, he bro. would be. He's already a powerhouse, and yeah. he doesn't even really hit the gym. Yeah, I always tell him, man, he's got those T Rex arms, <laughs> and I <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way, but he oh, could he, he Tom, could probably, <laughs> no rest in peace. He could probably because I got long arms. Yeah. So when I'm bench pressing, yeah, I gotta move that weight. Well, everything's a, a farther range. Yeah. Of motion. And he, he could just, bam, bam. My shoulders fucked up. Like I can't. There's some workouts I can't do, and bench is one of them. Unfortunately, I think I have like. I'm like, um, I'm like your boy. Uh, what's his name? George Kittle. I got things uh, in my. You get things shoulder. in your shoulder. Yeah, that was not good. No, <laughs> it's never good to have things in your body that aren't supposed to be. You, there. you go to the doctor. You know, he's like, oh, you got some things in your lungs, man. I'm not sure. Yeah, not <laughs> you know? good. I got some things in my shoulder that prevents me from doing a lot of shit with it. It's popping right now. I yeah, wish, I wish. It, I can no, hear I it. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I was trying to put it up to the microphone. I'm like, this isn't a great segment. This ain't going to work. <laughs> Listen to Stuart's things on the Radio Keats podcast. <laughs> Listen to the, the guitar player and drummer talk about nothing for injuries, 10 minutes. Floating injuries. It's like, but I, I mean, like, I got it from, from sports too, like landing on my shoulders so yeah. many times. I have like fucked up knees from landing on my knees so many times. Just, Dents. Yeah, dented up. <laughs> But I can only imagine where I'd be if I didn't work out at all. Oh, I'd man. just be, <laughs> I'd be yeah. a, a blob. I'm just wasted away blob by of now. myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. but uh, I guess to get back to music a little bit. Mm-hmm. Speaking do, do you of, think uh, real quick to uh-huh. connect the two? Do you think that being more have you noticed a difference between being more physically fit than when you were? I mean, now that you've gained like 40 pounds of muscle, mm-hmm. how has that affected your drumming compared to when you were like 168 pound marathon runner? Who didn't actually run a marathon? <laughs> An out of shape, hundred and sixty pound marathon. Skinny, runner. skinny fat. <laughs> yeah, skinny fat. Exactly. Um, I don't know, man. I think I don't have to try as hard now. Like, yeah. like uh, I think my sound's a little fuller just because there's more power. There's just a little bit it. more power behind, it, especially like in the bass drum and stuff like that. Um, like, well, a lot of the like the best rock and roll drummers have been big dudes. Yeah, like John Bonham was a big dude. A big fella. Buddy Miles. We've been playing some Bonham lately, and I'm yeah. like, it sounds good. That's all I'm thinking about is like, dude, you got to play like a big dude. Yeah, because Bonham's well, it sound, man, it's just it sounds like a big guy's playing. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't really fake that sound. You can't. I mean, like, you picture like Mitch Mitchell from the Jimi Hendrix Experience, mm-hmm. and listen to how he sounds at drums compared to Buddy Miles and uh, the Band of Gypsies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a completely different Hendrix vibe, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think every drummer would say this, but, like, Bonham is kind of my kind of drummer, right? Yeah. Like, I don't play a lot of notes. I'm not just, like, playing eighth note triplet fills just because I know how. Tom's the only one playing a lot of notes. Yeah, Tom (laughs) plays a lot of notes, and we give him a hard time if he misses one. 
Yeah. <laughs> Tom well, played, he always misses the worst yeah, one. Yeah. Tom plays 1,300 <laughs> notes in a set, and he and misses one like, notes, one note, and then me and Stu look at him like, Tom, you, you okay over there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I missed one note out of a three-hour gig. Jo- we joke with him. It's like, it's always that hard downbeat, like after a break. It's yeah. like, that's the one note. It's like, no. <laughs> nah, Tom, Tom's no, the man. messing with him. We love Tom. Kinda. We we actually talk about this all the time when he's not around, and uh, Tom is literally one of the best bass players I've ever played with. He's it's incredible. Easy. It's easy. He's uh, the best bass player in the Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, I you know I got a lot of friends that play a lot of music. Don't at me. It's Tom like is a killer, dude. In the Bay Area. Yeah. No, Adam at Stuart Patrick. <laughs> at, at Stuart <laughs> underscore underscore Patrick. <laughs> you can at me. Hey, shoot. No, but that can, uh, we can transition that to one of the things I want to talk about is like chemistry between a rhythm section. Yeah. I mean, I, I find myself locking with you mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, I'm like the third wheel, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the one who's like watching you guys have a relationship at the dinner table and I'm like <laughs> sitting there trying to be a part of the conversation. I'm like, Hey, uh. so that's the way I look at myself, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, please elaborate on your and Tom's intimate relationship. <laughs> it's very intimate, first of all. Um, so when we're playing a show, in my wedge, I have 90% Tom and, like, maybe Emily's vocals. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the vocals for, like, a roadmap type thing. Like, yeah. okay, we're, we're there. Although I know where we are, usually. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's like, me and Tom play so um, in sync with each other. Like a lot of my kick drum patterns are literally the picking pattern that Tom's playing. Well, you guys are both both very receptive of each other. You like you're listening to each other so intently that mm-hmm. you're picking up what each other are doing. And then, to your credit, when you when for whatever reason it's not connecting mm-hmm. in practice, one of you will always say something like, mm-hmm. "Hey, that that one note with your kick drum here or something." It's always something. Yeah, it's like. It's like if you came into the room with like a neon green shirt on and you don't wear neon. I'd be like, Stu, I have to say something, right? It's like that obvious I to me. Don't wear neon. Dude. Don't wear neon. <laughs> Never do You're that. You're 30. <laughs> 32, man. <laughs> no, but it, you know, that was a horrible way to put it. But it's like if something's just so out of place. Yeah. Even if it's a small thing, it just feels like, okay, well, we got to address this. I can't just totally. let you walk around with that shirt on. Yeah, you know what I mean. And how so, do you guys? When you guys are writing your parts, are you generally like letting him lead the rhythm, or are you trying to like dictate the? Because obviously, it's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the bass drum and the bass pattern has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Is it usually Tom who starts it, or is it usually you who kind of has the, the idea Honestly, for it? It really just depends on the song. Yeah, like sometimes you'll bring a, a tune or an idea, uh, a basic shape of the song to practice. And sometimes I just hear the drum beat right away. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is what we got to play here. Right? That makes sense. I mean, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And so if that happens, usually Tom will just, you know, he'll be like, hey, play that again. And he'll sort of mold what he's doing around the kick pattern. Yeah. But a lot of times, too, Tom just starts wanking, man. And it's, <laughs> si- and it's sick. Yeah. And I got to find out, like, where am I going to put the kick in that, in that pattern? He's very perceptive at picking. Because I, I like to think of myself as a very rhythmic kind of player mm-hmm. and then 
I was I was very much attached to that when we first started the band. Like I was like, I have to dictate the rhythm and like really strum and play the rhythm for mm-hmm. the entire song to really hammer it home. But now it's like I'll just like you said, bring a sketch and mm-hmm. I'll show you and I'll show it to you. Next thing I know, the rhythm is completely locked down within like twenty, you know, twenty minutes of mm-hmm. rehearsal, and that frees me up to do so much more, uh, add so much more color to it. <laughs> that just reminded me. I got, I got to go on a tangent again yeah. of my my high school the uh, <laughs> high school jazz band teacher. So me and my boy Perry, shout out Perry, yeah. we were the high school jazz band drummers. And Perry would play more than I did because I was just doing too much and I couldn't commit to like <laughs> learning that many songs. So I had like three songs in the set. And so I came on kit after not playing probably for a week and a half or so. And <laughs> my band teacher, he looks at me and he goes, man, Alante, you add a lot of color to the drums. <laughs> That's what I'm and then everybody in the class looks at him and you hear this. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and he didn't get it. And then he looks and he goes, Oh shit. Alante, I, I, and he tries, you know, that weird backpedal thing yeah. that people do and it just makes it worse. Yeah. And I was just like, it's, it's okay. It, we, it was just funny. Like, I know you're not racist. He's like, please don't yeah. get me fired, dude. <laughs> but, oh but yeah. Uh, we're, so, we're, yeah. We're, I guess I'm adding a lot of <laughs> color to the. Yeah, you're adding a lot of color yeah, to the band. Well, I, I like to think about it like, you know, you're painting a painting, right? There's like mm-hmm. broad strokes and then there's like detailed strokes and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. And I feel like uh, as a guitar player, especially a lead guitarist, the rhythm is should be left more to the bass and drums, mm-hmm. especially when they're as competent as you and Tom are. And then I can just, you know, uh, either help accent your snare drum a little bit more or Definitely. just hold out. And that's what I love about um, my... Uh, my uh, D'Angelico with the Bigsby because I can just play these chords and make them sing like mm-hmm. they're vib- like with a vibrato and uh, it doesn't sound like I'm just playing like one note like I'm like because like, I would be so obnoxious it would just well, be like all 80s well perfect example of that is when we were getting uh, Don't Come Back Home together yeah and well that song's tight it, yeah 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 it has I mean, to be tight it has to be or yeah. it it has the potential of uh, falling downhill really quickly because yeah. there's a lot going on but anyways, I was playing that lick because I, I was only going to play it once, right? Where at the end where it's, yeah, right? And, yeah. and Tom looked at me and he's like, where is that? Like, you know, this, as far as counting. And mm-hmm. I told him it's on the end or whatever or whatever. And then you started doing it. Yeah. Right? And then it sort of led into that gnarly solo at the end. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that's sort of where you could shine when you have a, a dope, you know, rhythm section i mean i don't want to be too i think you guys horn, are right? dope i'll toot your horn i think yeah. you guys are super dope <laughs> but when you have a tight rhythm section that's the kind of cool stuff that you can do where it's like yeah. you jump on top on that and you can have yeah. those lines that like you can sit out a little bit and then when you come back in it just sounds incredible like that totally yeah i that song too i'm glad you guys stuck with it because it took a long time to get that it got song shot going. down for got shot eight down. months straight if not longer, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> it, it just never... Uh, we just didn't give it the TLC it needed for that the That and time. I think in the beginning, we were we were just playing it in a way that it it just wasn't clicking yet. You yeah. know, like, I, I didn't see... Me, personally, I didn't see where the song was going, so it was yeah. hard for me to sort of start to... Uh, to uh, sort of picture what I would play on it. 
totally. Like, if I can't see where I'm going to go, yeah. it's hard for me to be like, oh, this is going to be dope. Well, the thing about that song is it has very minute changes in it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the verse, which is da-da-da-da-da-da. And it, like, the chord changes happen between the first half and the second verse. But the rhythm changes so slightly it just gets tighter like Mm -hmm. it's still the same shit but then it just all of a sudden tightens up in the second half of the verse and then it has the same rhythm in the chorus too Mm -hmm. so it's just like a very it's and but they all sound different it's Mm -hmm. kind of a weird uh weird song you really have to notice like the minutia in it definitely to, to really make it pop and i i thought it came across great on the record i love it man i'm super proud of the record I'm proud of it. I know too. when we were going yeah. into it, we were just like our mindset was like, well, maybe we could make something that doesn't suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think we were. I think we were a little more optimistic than that. But, <laughs> but it that wasn't was like that far off. That yeah. was like the idea. Like you know, like, that was that was my main worry is that it was gonna suck. Yeah. Actually, I was like, we just cannot have this record suck. That was like yeah my main thing. And then you, when we got it back from mastering, we were in this exact room, and. Uh, you played the whole thing for me and it was over and I looked at you and I was like, dude, I think I'm about to cry. Yeah. It was <laughs> definitely a weird feeling. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It was a lot of work that realized, a lot of potential realized. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a perfect album by any means, but it's something that at least we, you know, are really proud of. We've got a lot of really positive feedback on it. Like if I get hit by a bus today, which hopefully I don't cause I got to throw a party tomorrow. Yeah. But, um, I would have I would be like, man, well at least I got that record out. I felt the exact same way. It's so weird that you say that. It's you know? like uh and I mean it's way too early and I hate it when, you know, people do this about like sport like athletes and stuff. But it's like it feels like a legacy thing that you do that uh-huh. you have just in the world forever, no matter what happens to you. Mm-hmm. So what whether that's good or bad, it's like if I you know, if anything were to happen to me then like my my brother can point to my my record and show my nephews like a, a small piece of me, you know, which is, it's very cool. And, uh, I don't know. It's it gotta, just, it just feels good. It's gotta like, be like what, uh, parents feel like when they have a kid, when they have a kid. Right. And they're yeah. like, well, if something happens to me, well, Jimmy's here and yeah, I, well, you know, Jimmy. yeah, a child never know what that feels like. You're but, not planning on having any little Jimmy's, huh? Lante? No, <laughs> that's a hard no. That's a hard Sorry, no. Ladies. Yeah. Sorry, ladies. Sorry, all my Tinder followers. <laughs> Ain't happening. <laughs> Swipe left. Dude, that... On babies. I'm, I think I'm going to put that in my bio. Swipe left Swipe on babies. Le- <laughs> Swipe left on babies. <laughs> <laughs> like, I probably look like such a tool. It's like, oh, he's a drummer and he doesn't want babies. <laughs> Typical cool. musician. Yeah, cool guy. Typical trying to keep things open yeah. for the future. Because I'm going to have to go on tour. You never know. One day, man. That's when, a... I want to get there. We have to get uh, Emily and Tom to quit their jobs, and then we'll do it. And hey, you. we're getting there. <laughs> and you. To quit and your me. Job. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Yeah, I hate my job. We need Unless to get... someone's listening, which I love my job. <laughs> I love. I love all my clients, and they're all great. Wink, wink. <clears throat> <laughs> but there's, <laughs> there is like you know, kind of that that point where we're either gonna have to you know step off the ledge and have that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Or just keep doing what we're doing, playing local places, and hopefully that'll work. But at some point, you know, there's going to be, you know, that that next step where you either take it or you don't. 
and it's tough for a bunch of 30 year olds to like <laughs> quit their jobs and like do music i'm 29 uh, not for a, <laughs> for how much longer now monday yeah, this, is your, uh, this is your birthday podcast right here it is man yeah you deserve it i'm buddy. in i'm in the club almost man 30 ain't got much going on for myself dude i'm killing it did you man. say in the club like 50 cent in the club yeah. <laughs> you, you in the club in the club i learned that from the uh jesus rapper <laughs> <laughs> yeah rapping for jesus we just uh looked that up it's uh very cringy but all, it's like the best and worst thing i've ever seen it's legendary <laughs> dude what uh shit we had some, we had a bunch of stuff we were gonna go over do you have that yeah man we got we got some good stuff here um, so I guess we, we got to tell this story, although if you've ever met me or Stewart and we've had a couple of road sodas, hopefully not road sodas, <laughs> but you know, like house Never sodas. Never while driving. Yeah. Never while driving. <laughs> we've probably Passenger told, road we've, sodas. we've probably told you this story, but is the, how, how I like joined this band and how me and Stewart met. Oh yeah. This is a good one. You <laughs> lead it off. Man. All right. I'll start it. So my buddy, uh, Nick Montes, who I went to MI with was my roommate um, great guitar player, cool dude. Uh, he hit me up one day and he's like, yeah, man, there's this, uh, singer songwriter, brother and sister. They're really sick and they, they just need a band. Like we can, we can take them to the next level kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's sick. But I was playing in this punk band back then. And I was like, well, I'll go like rehearse and stuff, but I'm not like, I don't have time really. Although yeah. I had all the time in the world. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I was saying. I gotta make it with my punk band. Man. Yeah, yeah. You're in, so you were still in a punk band when uh, you were. Uh, yeah, yeah. You were cool. cheating on your punk band with us. I did. Oh, yeah. Wow. I went. How did they oh, feel about that? I don't think they ever knew. That's good. Yeah. Shh. Until I just disappeared. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I just I, it, the band was. Uh, it 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 just stopped. Like people were not about it. They were good musicians, but it just uh, you know playing. It's just different, man. When you're in one of those bands where people were halfway in. And I love those guys, totally. but everyone knows that. Anyways, get to Guitar Center and Stu's there, and uh, yeah, we used to we used to rehearse at the Guitar Center in Emeryville. Yeah, and Emily's there, and I want to say Joe was there with the sax. I don't think Joe was there yet. No? I think okay. it was Tom. Right? It was Tom, Nick, and I think it was Nick D. I thought he came later. Okay. Well, anyways, well, any, no wait. Yeah, Tom never rehearsed with you. No, I never. Yeah, yeah not in the beginning. I heard of him, you know, but I never met him because yeah. obviously we were not going to get along. But anyways, <laughs> like so that. we did that. I mean, we did the Guitar Center rehearsal thing for a good amount of time. And like we came out hot. Me and Stu were like stoked. And he found out that I was a big A's fan. And he's like, you know, dude, there's a there's a game in a week or I'm going to this game or something like yeah. that. And so I was like, yeah, dude, let's send it. Right. <laughs> I had to get one of those in yeah, there. Yeah, one in. Yeah. For the fans, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, we did. And, and so we meet in the back parking lot of the Coliseum and Stu's rocking some personal bottles of tequila and some cherry <laughs> some cherry Pepsi. And so First of I, all, it wasn't yeah, tequila. It was rum. It was it rum? <laughs> tequila and cherry Pepsi sounds like sounds horrible. the worst yeah, thing ever. You made something. me sound like a, like a 19-year-old <laughs> sorority uh, chick. Just mixing whatever's in the house. <laughs> yeah. I got Bacardi 151. and it was, co- it was rum and Coke. Yeah, it was rum and Coke. Sorry. And, you, and back in the... I mean, I think you can still do it, but back in the day, I mean... They still have just metal detectors at the Coliseum, so yeah, it's so like if you bring if, pr- plastic in. Yeah, if it if it's looks sealed like it's never been opened, they don't check it, right? So yeah. if you got Pepsi and you put some dark liquor in there, yeah, 
you can just walk in. Yeah, totally. Right? And we had like three of those. But the <laughs> important, <least>. but the <laughs> important part of the story is, Stu's wearing this sick bro tank. <laughs> oh God! Right? And I'm like, yeah. dude, that's a sick bro tank. It was the same shirt that I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like the old 2013 A's team. With, it, it was a real busy shirt. There's yeah, like it, jerseys. There's like the Oakland Cranes. I don't know what either one of us were thinking when we bought that <laughs> oh, shirt. God. But anyways, we're wearing the same shirt, man. And it was like, oh, this is going like, to... The Step Brothers thing, right? Like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah. Same shirt, free uh, liquor and plastic bottles. Yeah. It was, it was, I was like, this dude slays. I mean, he's good <laughs> at guitar and all, but... I wasn't even that. I mean, I was playing acoustic still back yeah. then, so you hadn't even really seen the real me yet. It I was, was like, all... you know, I was like, he's invited me to play with his band, and he comes with gifts. Yeah. Like what? But anyways, we went in the game, man, and we we got weird. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was awesome. And I think yeah. the A's even won. Definitely. And we ended up uh, going out to karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Star Pizza and got some deep dish pizza. Yeah. And uh, I remember my ex girlfriend and your ex girlfriend at the time. Yeah, uh, they were. Just, they thought we were so weird. Like, yeah, they hated what, it. What got into them? <laughs> like, what's going? What's wrong with them? They were not into it at all. No, and but they're just, you know they're being nice. They're being polite. And then uh, we were like, come on, we got to do karaoke. We got to do karaoke. And it's like eleven o'clock on a school night. <laughs> like we're tr- they're yeah. trying to go to bed they're probably. Tr- and we're singing Casey and JoJo <laughs> together, arm in arm, yeah, like to each other. <laughs> they're they're girlfriends at the time, just staring at us like, oh god. So we come back to the table, Cringy. and we're all on this high, right? We we're thought like, we, we killed thought it. we slayed. We thought we killed that like song. record deal on the way. Like we just, you know, forget drums and guitar. We're about to do this little oh this little god. duet thing. And we get to the table, and they just both look at us and go, uh uh-uh. uh. So disappointing. Just disappointing. <laughs> Oh, just one. Shout out Rod Dibble, dude, in the alley in uh, Oakland. I don't think she talked to me for two days after that. (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, it was a, it was a good time though. And um, what is this podcast rated? Is this a PG thirteen or? Dude, it's rated R. (laughs) That's also uh, explicit. Yeah, that was also the day I saw your hog on the side of Seven Eleven, dude. (laughs) Wasn't my fault. There's no, there's no public bathrooms in Oakland, man. Sometimes you. So after a day like that, I mean, <laughs> you either never talk to that guy again or you become best friends. And we've been rocking California and New York and yeah, all over. The- well, that was the thing is like, I remember uh, the Knicks, uh, Nick Davila hit us up and he's like, man, uh, I love playing with you guys. I love your music and I still like you guys. I just don't like playing live anymore. So yeah. I can play on the recordings and stuff if you want we're mm-hmm. like oh well we kind of need a live bass player like we can't just have a i love nick dowler to death he's a f- sweetheart yeah one of the funniest things i've ever heard yeah he can't just record <laughs> can't <laughs> be a recording bass well i guess he could he could be randy jackson but yeah he's still, like if... toured with like britney spears though right or something yeah something like that yeah yeah i mean i most musicians would say the funnest part of music is playing on stage yeah and nick's like a super sweet dude and he's kind of to himself so i could see how he's like i'm not into that yeah but we're like and that was in the beginning so we're like well we're definitely going to be playing a lot of shows yeah so it just kind of didn't work with nick and then nick montez dropped out at the same time yeah They they both just had other stuff going on so emily and i saw our band's life flash before our eyes and uh i remember calling you like super meek i was like uh so uh the knicks quit the band um do you still want to play yeah i remember that 
And I was like, uh, yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't care, dude. <laughs> we got to find a bass player. Cool. Yeah. And then Tom came back. For the eighth time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Now we, we're not getting rid of Tom anymore. No. It would, be, it would be a disaster. Yeah. It'd pretty much be the end of Radio Keys as we know it if Tom left. Tom, we need you. We need you, Tom. Don't go anywhere. We need you in the gym, too. <laughs> After, but yeah, you've, uh, you've been around ever since. And then I ended up, uh, my girlfriend, who I lived with then, uh, ex-girlfriend, she and I broke up, so then I was kind of at a crossroads because I couldn't afford to stay in Oakland by myself at that point. Yeah. So I had an opportunity. It was like the same time my uh, old housemate in Santa Barbara hit me up, and he's like, hey, man, I have a room for like 500 a month, and you have your own bathroom if you want to come back to Santa Barbara. And it was just like, uh, I was at a crossroads. You know, I had to move anyway, and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going back to Santa Barbara. So you got a call like, hey, do you want to live in paradise for really cheap with all your boys yeah and you literally say, like literally like a week after um my ex broke the news that she wanted to move out it mm -hmm. was like dude i would have been gone too yeah I it was just it. and it was a really hard decision because uh our band was starting to pick up a little bit of momentum yeah we still weren't that good but we were picking up momentum mm -hmm. to hopefully get better and then uh yeah then we kind of took a hiatus yeah, I mean, we we played our first gig ever with me. We played Slims, yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was we need to get back out there. It was a great show, um, and then after that we played Red Hat, and then I think maybe took a it took quite a bit of a break there. It was just like everything. We played a couple gigs here and there, yeah, but it was we, like we, once a year, twice a year, yeah, like maybe three times a year maximum. But and then. It all came back yeah, together, it baby. It all came back around. Yeah. Mountain vibe. Um, Mountain vibe, dude. I was just like, man, I love music. Like, mm -hmm. it, it just dawned on me again. Because I was, like, you know, bullshitting around Santa Barbara. Just, it's real hand-to-mouth over there. Like, everything is so awesome and so fun. But it, it seems so effervescent and, like, fleeting. Like, there's nothing... It doesn't feel solid when mm -hmm. you're living in Santa Barbara. It's like, everything is like, oh, I'm going out and having drinks and having fun. Oh, I'm eating some delicious food. Oh, I'm playing on the beach. But it's all over at the end of the day. When you go to bed, you haven't gained anything. Dude, it sounds like a lot like when I lived in Hollywood. I mean, I lived on Hollywood Boulevard for yeah. three and a half years. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's fake. It's not real life. It, it doesn't feel like I was, I didn't feel like I was building anything there. And then when I got laid off from my job there, it was like, well, the obvious answer was to start doing music again. And I'm like so glad you did that. Being serious about it, and mm -hmm. that's—I mean—that was a little over a year ago, and we've come so far. Like, this is the—I think—the 34th episode of our podcast in that last year. We've played almost 50 shows. We've uh, come out with a record, like, all yeah. in just basically a year. Like, mm -hmm. basically a year. Well, I mean, you know, you kind of re-energized all of us, man. When you were like super stoked and you came back, and I know it wasn't easy for you. I know you went through a, a rough time oh, definitely. when you came back, but it made me even, I'm, and, I'm, and I know I've talked to Tom about it, right? Like we all always had this idea, like I'm going to be in a band. Yeah. But when you can actually see the, the way that that could happen, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, man, well, Stu's coming back. He's all in. I'm yeah. not going to be the one that's not all in. Yeah. So it made me want to be a better drummer, a better writer, a better, you know, bandmate, dude. Like, 
you know, they say it's all about the hang, right? Well, you've well, you've never said no to anything. <laughs> yeah, no. You've never been that guy in the band. He's like, I can't do this. I can't do that. It was. It's always like, I want to do this and I want to do more. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't, have I have I ever missed a gig? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Other than, I mean, Emily and I play some acoustic ones, but yeah. those are like by design, so I don't yeah. think so, man. I don't think so at all. Yeah, that's that's kind of. I mean. This is what I want to do, right? Like, yeah. if someone's like, hey, man, you know what you can do? You can go deal with a bunch of kids, <laughs> or you can go play drums. We're both in that that dealing with kids life yeah. right now. I, I, lo- I mean, I love, I love teaching my kids sometimes, but there are definitely days where I wake up, I'm like, I just wish I could play guitar all day and improve myself rather right. than try to help other people improve themselves. I love my, my kids. Yeah, I love my clients. Um, but, I mean... Drums, dude. That's who I am. I'm a drummer. So yeah. if you hit me up and like, hey, next Thursday, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't need to know when or what time. Just put it on the band calendar, You'll and I'm gonna, out. I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. And I got to a certain point at work. I was just like, hey, I'm taking off Thursday and the next Thursday and then Saturday, and I'll put it all on them like that, just where they'll be like, well, we, you can't do that. So I could be like, all right, I quit. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, when you have when the dude, you're at the best position of power when you really don't give a fuck yeah. anymore. Where you're like, fire me then. Yeah. And that and like Tom just had that like conclusion a few like maybe a month ago where he finally was fed up and he like laid it all out for his work, like, look, I'm just gonna quit then. Mm-hmm. And then he got everything he wanted. And yep. it's just like when you come from that position of I'll I'll fucking quit then. It doesn't matter. Dude, I've gone to work ready for war. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all right, I'm going in and I'm telling him I'm taking off uh, two weeks to go to New York, and then a week after that, I'm gonna take off Friday through Thursday to go to Santa or whatever, yeah. you know. And and they're like, oh, okay, maybe you think maybe you could do a Saturday next month to make up for it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I guess, I guess. Gosh, <laughs> what do you expect from me? Yeah, dude, I'm I'm like the youngest guy you've ever met, <laughs> right? Like I'm only thirty. Yeah, well, not yet. You're almost there. <laughs> like I got things to do. Yeah, dude. Like Crystal Like Crystal I'm the youngest person you've ever met. <laughs> I mean, we love Delia. We love yeah, I mean, I love Delia, dude. It's so much of our communication, like in the house or even in the band, <laughs> it's just like if someone was listening, they'd be like, what is going on? Yeah, who are these people? <laughs> what language are they speaking? He's just making this weird noise. <laughs> and yeah. everyone knows what he's talking about. It's weird. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. So we have, dude, we've already gone like close to 50 minutes you want to get into this mailbag section Ooh, this is the, the first mailbag. time we've done a mailbag so here dude, did, did time you write them flies down? when you party naked huh i know <laughs> dude, don't out us on the podcast hey this is this is our house we do what we want we do what we want all right let's go to the post of you looking studly dude you should wear a deep v's more often i i yeah. dude i got a bunch i actually got them written down here if you want okay um so here's one uh, from HF Good Art. Shout out uh, Hans Good. Is there a perception that the drums are not a difficult instrument to master? That quote, anyone can play drums. Yes, for sure. I think more so than I think guitar looks more intimidating. Really? Yeah. At least I mean, I'm a drummer, so I don't yeah. know. But I think I think most people would think it would be harder to learn how to play guitar. Okay. And I'm I mean that might be true. Um, but me and, me and Tom always talk about this thing, right? Where there's this, every good musician has this point in their life where they 
shut themselves into a room and all they do is play their instrument for like three years, Mm -hmm. whether it's because they got laid off or they're 16 and they don't have a job. But I think no matter what instrument you play, there's got to be that time in your life where you, only thing you do is whatever your vices are Mm -hmm. and play your instrument. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for me, I mean, that's a rite of passage for all musicians. For me, it was going to MI. And I'm even, I mean, before that, I, I had those years where I was in my lockout with my punk bands or my metalcore bands or whatever it was, and we would literally play all day horribly. <laughs> like, it was not good. But we loved it, dude. And, you know, you gain some chops from that, and you gain some something. you got to suck for, like, 10 years. 10 years, dude. You <laughs> have you to. to be good. You, at least 10 years, yeah. man. And, like... Like, all these bands that are, like, coming out... And you know, touring the world when they're like twenty. Yeah, that's, a, that's an exception. Yeah, to that, the rule. that that's not real. It's that's very not real life. Rare. And yeah. the, all these shows too, like America's Got Talent, where there's some fucking fifteen-year-old shows up and like wows just the audience. And everyone's like pounding the like button, and it's just like this isn't real. This isn't real life. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, and that kind of skews perception on what it takes to become a musician. I think. But but anyway, back so, to yeah. So to, a thing I like to do with people who come up to me ask you know i love people who are interested in drums you know this i mean i i think i've given away 200 yeah, dude, drumsticks this babies, year yeah, away yeah. drumsticks because i selfies with kids <laughs> well because i want like a kid to be like dude i went to this show and uh the drummer gave me these sticks and i still have them and then like maybe i'll start playing or something like that right i want someone because that happened for me but anyways when people think like oh drums are easy i'm gonna hop on it's a lot easier to make a noise on a drum set than it is on a guitar. Totally. Right? But the I guess, thing yeah, is... Yeah, I guess the, uh, what is it called? The barrier of entry is, is less way lower. as a drummer because you can hit it and it makes noise. Yeah. Whereas guitar, it's like this whole fucking thing where you have to like, you know, push the fret down and mm-hmm. find the right string. And all but people shit. who are serious or even just care at all, I'll, be like, I'll just show them like the most basic four-way coordination pattern. Not on a drum set. I'm talking like sitting on a couch with just your hands and your two feet. What would you say, like, if you're teaching me or the audience right now, like, what would what would that be? If you wanted to start playing kit? Yeah, if you're, like, you're saying you would just show someone, like, on the Yeah, couch, don't like. play on the drum kit. <laughs> like, seriously. That makes sense. Yeah, dude. don't play on the drum kit because you can't yet. Right? You should be playing on a practice pad, your knees, your, when you're on the bus, dude, drumming on your knees and, like, and in, in your hands, on anything, wherever you can drum. There's just a few patterns you got to learn before you can go to the drum kit. Because the drum kit is all about sound balance, right? Like when you're playing, you can play a rock and roll beat, dude. A bonum, dude, catch, just a fat beat. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you need to be thinking about. Is your hi-hat louder than your snare drum? Is your, is your foot, your sound of balance, right? That's number one. Mm-hmm. Like, does it, you've, you've heard a drummer. You're like a, you're like a mixing engineer for the different yeah, aspects. Exactly. Like you've gone to Guitar Center, dude, and you've heard that, dude, dude, cat, 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 and everything's just loud, and yeah. you're just like, oh my God, please stop. Yeah. Now, a good drummer can go in there and play that same beat, and you'll be like, oh, dude, keep playing. Like you're a killer. And, it, and, and it's just because they understand sound balance and, and stick placement. Like we'll always laugh, like in the studio, because I'll be like, I'll show you my broken sticks. And I'll be like, see this? <laughs> broken in the same spot every like, time it's like a broken yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like it's stuff like that like I'm like look at this fingernail <laughs> the same fucking spot right but the thing is like if you're get, especially like recording if you're gonna play a song 
your snare drum needs to sound the same every time you hit it. Unless you're purposely making it sound different for that part of the song. Like a lot of our songs are like that, right? Like I'll be playing a train beat and it's the same train beat every time. But each variation of that train beat sounds different because of where I'm hitting the drum, the way I'm striking the drum, whether I'm using finger technique or, you know, these different things that'll make, that'll pull sound out of the drum different. That's why I say don't go and play on the drum kit because the drum kit is like, there's just too much that can go wrong yeah. if you're just starting. So the final part of the question uh, from HF Art at HF Art, um, if that perception is true, does it affect your relationship to the instrument? How do you like? How do you approach the drums if you think that it's you know quote an easier instrument to play? Which I don't think it is personally. I think it's an easier barrier barrier of entry like mm -hmm. perception wise, but actually being a killer on the drums is. Yeah, I I never think about that honestly. Yeah, I mean it. There's how many people in the world and how many killer drummers are there, right? Like if it was easy, everyone would be killer drummers, just like guitar. There's a lot of tough drummers out there. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. dude, I've we've played with people, and I'm like, this needs to stop immediately. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I'm not I'm not gonna call him. I mean, come on, dude. It's just being real, right? Like, I'm just like, wow, this is rough, but. It's, it's just all about playing, dude. If you like to play drums, play them, dude. Play them loud. Play them proud. I mean, I'm the loudest drummer in all of... <laughs> According to Nate. <laughs> in yeah. all of California or whatever, right? Quick aside, uh, when we were recording <laughs> the record, our boy Nate, uh, Fearless Sherpa, uh, <laughs> mixing engineer, he was like... Uh, he was like, you're the loudest drummer I've ever recorded. <laughs> we're like, really? Like, dude, you ever been... You ever heard a drummer? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but, I mean, you have good good sound. You have yeah, really good sound. and the drums come across really good on the record. Yeah, I mean that that was also kind of by design to play a little harder than normal yeah. because like it's being mixed and it can be turned up or down. Yeah. But I wanted it to be solid, dude. I wanted yeah. it to be thick. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't want no thin drumming, dude. No. Thick with like yeah. six C's, dude. <laughs> you know. But uh, what was the question? We were going on a tangent here. Oh yeah, no. But is it? Is it that's is pretty it, much it. Yeah. Uh, he he asked about uh, your relationship with the instrument. So to, you know, just to wrap that question up, I guess my my relationship with the instrument has nothing to do with what people think, and sometimes I do get a little like uh, annoyed by that. And if if I want to show them, I'll just be like, all right, do this. Like play uh, revolving double paradiddles on your hands and your feet at the same time. And then they stop talking because <laughs> you, you just yeah. can't do that, right? No. And so, I mean, I for sure can. <laughs> exactly. So if, if it comes to that point where I feel like I need to flex. I've seen, uh, I mean, Dave Grohl isn't the best guitar player in the world, but mm -hmm. he talks about how he comes uh, from, you know, a drummer's background. Dude, he's a great drummer. Playing, uh, he's an incredible drummer. Yeah. I mean, if you've listened to Nirvana before Dave Grohl, mm -hmm. they just sound like another band. And then you listen to them with Dave Grohl, and boom, they're Nirvana. They're, mm -hmm. it smells like Teen Spirit. They're, it's like Blink with Travis Barker, dude. Yeah. Their original drummer, Scott, it's like, you listen to that, and you're like, oh, this is, this is cute. Yeah. And then Travis comes around, and it's like, killers. Well, I think that's like something that, the greater population of hard rock punk drummers are missing out on is it's not just fast and loud. Yep. There's, you can be, 
you know, in a punk band and play nuance like Travis Barker, who's, by the way, the most incredible drummer I've ever seen live. I saw Blink-182 in Santa Barbara at the Bowl, and um, I was blown away. I'm like, this guy must, he has to work out. Like, he has, I think he does uh, boxing. Yeah. or He's in MMA, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's big, big time into MMA, just like you and I are not, not physically doing it, but I think he physically, like, yeah trains in that way he, he talks about how like boxing uh really helps with uh with his drumming like that kind of cardio because he, he's out of control i mean in control but the way he looks it's just like how can you do that for two hours a night dude that's that's another thing about playing drums that's tough is like you're moving however long that gig is you're moving for that long yeah. so like you got to take a lot of things in consideration like when i almost blacked out at mountain vibe <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the drum kit, right? But yeah, what happened there? You, uh, it was just, oh, uh, man. the mountain vibe got to you. The I night think before. the vibe got to me the <laughs> night before, right? And yeah. so I was like, okay, what's well, cool? I'll just wake up and pound water. We don't play until five or whatever. We'll be good. We were all hurting that day. And Except for when Emily. it's 100. Emily rolls up at like fucking oh, shit. Diva. 12 o'clock. Yeah, diva. Diva. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when it's 107 degrees outside or whatever it is, and you don't got enough water in you, and then you've yeah. not been being active at all, and all of a sudden you you're going go. like balls to the wall, yeah. playing drums, animated, you know, because you're excited to be on stage. Yeah. Your body's like, whoa, dude. And I, I was just waiting, you know, I was just waiting for my vision to start going in. I was like, well, if I black out, at least like, dude, that would be I was so like, funny. at least I blacked out on stage <laughs> and like I didn't quit. That, that's the point I got to in my head. Like oh I was looking God. and I was like, well, I'm going to black out. Oh my but I'm God. not going to stop playing. <laughs> that would have been so funny. It was rough, dude. <laughs> I slept for like four hours as soon as we got us. I didn't even tear anything down. I don't know. Whoever tore my, my stuff down at Mountain Vibe this year, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not Probably sure who Tom. it was. If it was Tom, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get to another question. I think we already got into it, but uh, at uh, S-E-V-E-N-7-9-A-P, uh, Mr. Piazza, what got you into music? We talked about Mr. Kenny, shout out Mr. Kenny. But is that initially what got you into music, or were that's, you? That's my brother, by the way. Oh, that's your brother. Shout yeah. out. What's up, bro? It's my big brother. Oh. Um. Anyways, what got me into music? All right, this. I'm gonna try and do this quickly. Growing up in a house with black folks, right? <laughs> the, there's. What's that like? Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's always music playing, man. Period. Like I wake up Saturday morning. Mom's listening to Luther Vandross, Brian McKnight, you know, Gladys Knight and the Pips, all this stuff. I've always loved music, man. Just like, I, it was almost no choice. Either my brothers were playing some weird stuff that I didn't really like, or my mom's playing that stuff, which I did like. You liked more of the oldies? I loved the old stuff, man. Yeah. Like the Supremes and, yeah. and, and Al Green and, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to a point when I was about, 11 was that fifth sixth grade where i started changing musically and i was hanging out with more of like the skaters and stuff and like that and i remember going home one day and i was like mom i think i want to wear all black and like you know and she's like my mom's a doll dude so we go we literally go to like target and she buys me like black dickies and all this stuff and i start painting my nails black and oh, no. I, I was yeah dude <laughs> dude seriously seriously right oh, no. and, <laughs> and, and 
just safety pins and just i went all the way right okay okay i see you and you doing the good charlotte thing yeah oh 100 percent made <laughs> dude i had a made jersey bro don't don't play okay. the ant this is the anthem throw all your hands up anyways i got into that stuff and um at, <laughs> I, I got into that stuff and my mom's such a doll that like She's like, well, he likes this, and I don't know, like, all my other sons are listening to, like, DMX and stuff, so she was so confused, and she brought me home a Seven Dust CD, because there's a black guy on the cover, <laughs> right? And oh, in my head, I'm like, God. Mom, you're, you're adorable, but I'm like, Mom, I'm not going to listen to Seven Dust. No one likes Seven Dust, Right, Mom. yeah, yeah, like, you obviously just went to Target and saw a black guy on a rock CD and got it for <laughs> me, right? <laughs> it's uh, but that's like so seven dust and head pe but, and and pod oh, those are like the creed was the other oh, was the no. other cd my sacrifice dude I, I had a cd player and i had the seven dust album and the creed album and i listened to that over and over again that's all i had because i was just i was committed i wasn't going to go back to listening to rap you know what i mean because yeah. i was a punk now yeah, and then I started getting into like local bands, like can't paint your nails, like Fat Kid Running and Issue Ten and stuff like these ska bands, and I started really getting into it with a bunch of my other friends, like Mag, we used to call ourselves. Anyways, I got into that. Don't st- care to elaborate. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I got into that kind of stuff, and that's when I discovered Travis Barker, man. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to be. Yeah, right there. That's it. So that was your aha moment. That was my aha moment. So you hadn't played any musical instrument until you were like into music, but you were played trumpet. Oh, so that at that point you were playing. I was trumpet. playing trumpet at that point, and yeah, like I started playing trumpet in like fourth grade, third yeah, grade. Yeah, me as well. And so fifth grade for me. That, but that was the that was the moment where I was like, I was all, I was sold, dude. I was sold. I was like, I'm gonna be a drummer. I'm gonna be in a punk. I'm gonna be in the next Blink One Eighty Two. Basically, mm-hmm. that was my whole thing. Me and all my friends, man. We started a band. We we're playing in garages, playing the worst shows of all time. <laughs> Just like, but it was awesome because we were 13 and we were in a band. Did you see Blink at this most recent tour? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. We were in a band, Funaki's Legs, dude. Who's Funaki? Some girl in our middle school. She had killer legs. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that now. That's so creepy. We were all 13, dude. (laughs) And that's what we called the band. She was a good singer. But, but anyway, just doxed her on the podcast. Did I? I'm gonna be hitting her up talking about her legs now. Uh, hopefully, she lives somewhere else now. But anyways, worst things to get doxed for. Yeah, right. I just, I just, nice I just got canceled. Dude, you're just canceled. You're gonna get radio keys canceled. Dude. But yeah, so that happened. And it's and that was it. That's that's where it started. That's where I started playing drums. And then I just went down that rabbit hole of from punk to emo to post emo to metalcore. You know, to heavy we, metal. Now we force you to play Americana. Now, yeah, now I'm in an Americana band. I still listen to everything, but you know, you guys have showed me another side of, you know, what other people are listening to, honestly. Yeah. And it's fun to play. Like it's a it's a fun genre of music to play on drums well, because really... it, it gives you more of a broader brush to paint with. Like playing in a metalcore yeah. band, you're gonna play double bass. <laughs> you're gonna play these check patterns, and you can do that for 55 yeah. minutes. And, and the, the thing is, is like um, with uh, rock and roll, the kind of rock and roll that we play, mm-hmm. is it does have a lot of roots in the music that you loved growing up, like mm-hmm. that Motown shit. For like, sure. All, all the rock and roll that we grew up listening to, like the Beatles and uh, the Rolling Stones, their favorite bands were, you know, mm-hmm. those Motown bands. Dude, I love the Beatles. <laughs> 
We know, you, you, dude. You hate Elvis. <laughs> hate the Beatles. You're trying to be controversial. <laughs> Not on my podcast. <laughs> but uh, so, I'm sure that it's familiar to you too. I mean, it, it. You're saying like we introduced you to it, but I mean, it's a familiar style. It's just you know, it's all blues at the heart of it. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no way you can listen to Stapleton yeah. and not hear some old school Motown influences or some old school soul or whatever it is totally. that, you know, like it's just music is music, He's man. He's so incredible, man. Yeah. Stapleton. I Either you got it or you don't. Yeah. Here, <laughs> do you, can you hand me that question book? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you write who asked these questions? Too? No. Okay. I'm, I'm not Sorry, smart. we can't shout out everyone. I All probably right. could tell you. Oh, that. here we go. And this is from uh, at Ruben Plays Drums. Shout out, Ruben. Rube. Where did you get that kit? I see what he's doing here. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the new Radio Keys drum kit, the beautiful green and black green machine yeah. with the awesome Radio Keys drum head on it. Yeah. We got that from a, another fantastic drummer in the, in, the, in the scene and just a killer, really. One of the drummers in the scene that I look up to, just as a player and a professional, he's always he's always on it at gigs, and he's just a nice, cool dude. Uh, Ruben, yeah. What's Ruben's last name? Uh, Jesus, put me on the spot. I don't know. He might not want everyone to know that. Ruben at Ruben plays drums. It's Ruben Rios. Yeah, Ruben's a killer man. He's just such a good drummer and a good dude. He's one of those dudes that that saying like it's all about the hang. Yeah. I think guys like that. Like, well, he's a uh, Radio Keys alumni. Yeah. So I jacked his gig. Yeah. I uh, mean, he. Uh, I'm just kidding, Ruben. I think he. <laughs> I think he just subbed a few shows with us. Yeah. I don't think it, I wouldn't have taken. I don't Ruben's think it was gig. anything serious. I think we went on a few dates. We didn't. We never like moved in together. You know. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's good. I wouldn't have taken his gig. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, you would. Have. Don't. Don't at me. <laughs> That's awesome, but yeah. So we got it from old old Ruben. Old Ruben, man. Where did we get that? Uh, he had about drum head, I think. Uh, I don't know. Somewhere online. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. I don't remember. But they don't need a plug. Oh, here we go. Dude. No, they can get a plug. Come on. Uh, VintageLogos.com. Yeah, it's killer, and it's actually logos. it's actually painted on. It's yeah. on it's on it's a good real. Quality, it's, right? it's great quality. It sounds great. It's an equestrian. It's 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 a killer. So yeah, VintageLogos.com. Shout out. Um, let's see where we. All right, and then we got a bunch of uh, joke questions, <laughs> which are uh, oh wait no one more one more serious one, uh, two two uh, I guess there's a few serious ones. We're gonna try to get through all of them, uh, maybe just a couple more. Uh, what is the easiest way to start playing drums? And you mentioned like pl- just playing on your on yourself yeah. to start with. Hit everything. Yeah. If you're sitting at a table, play on the table. If you got to take the bus to work. Play your feet and play your hands on your on your lap and your feet. Just getting that. Cord. Just learn patterns. Learn all your diddles and your paradiddles, double diddles, tap fives, tap sevens. Stuff. And all those funny words are just names for for different patterns. rudiments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and learn all that stuff because it's you just gotta know. So another question: Why don't you use a double bass? Um, because I can do everything with one foot. You're like uh, no, that's that's kind of a douchey thing to say. <laughs> no, but um, because it just doesn't lend to this band. There's yeah. never a, um, a a time where I need to play galloping beats, yeah. and if I do, they're not so fast that I can't play it with one foot. 
I'd be pissed, dude. I'd be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, there are... Tom would be like... (laughs) (laughs) There are things, though, in our music that are technically double bass patterns. Like, like talking, you know, dun-dun-dun, stuff like that, where, you know, you could play double bass, but it's not in a BPM where I can't play it with one foot. Yeah. And I I think it looks goofy. Yeah, it's definitely extra... But yeah, yeah I agree. not my not my thing. That's it. All right, and then uh, what was am I like? Oh, that was question from the old mailbag. Yeah, and am I uh, stands for Musicians Institute. Yeah, that's where I went to college, um, or one of the stops. Am <laughs> um, I is like the most intense three years in my life. Is the hardest thing I've ever done, hands down. They 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 do, they have a system there that's just bulletproof. If you finish, you're gonna be good. Mm-hmm. If you if you make it all the way through from level one to six, you're gonna be better than most people that you know. Unless you're like in a scene, like if you're with you know like in our scene, there's a lot of killer drummers, right? But you're at least gonna be good enough to play. Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep it up, I mean, you can't just go there and then never play again. But they have this awesome thing there where they're always giving you something that you're just not quite good enough for. And after that happens for years, the things that you used to suck at become so much harder. Like the things that you're not doing well at are so much harder than the things that you started at. Does that make sense? I think, I think what you're trying to say is, what you used to suck at is now like easier, easier. and now there's new things that you suck yeah, at yeah. that are on a different so, plane. Than... So the things that you suck at now are so much harder than the <laughs> things that you used to suck at. Oh, okay, that's what you're saying. You know what I mean? And so like you just always kind of, but you always feel like you're drowning. You're like, yeah. oh, I can never play anything. Like I always go to class and it's always just a little bit too hard for me. Yeah. But you don't realize that now you're 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 sucking at playing like you know, yellow jackets or like these crazy snarky puppy songs yeah. to where before you, you were sucking at like just rudimentary stuff. Right. Totally. And so, you know, it's a, it's great. I mean, it, it's the best thing I've ever done as far as, I mean, let's just be real. You're living in Hollywood for three or four years when you're in your early twenties, you know what I mean? Like that's just fun. Gotta be a lot of distractions. A lot of distractions. <laughs> a lot. Right. Oh. Yeah. And you're you're probably one of fifteen Americans, <laughs> and it's just it's just a crazy it's just life experience thing, totally. man. Um, but as far as music goes, if you're gonna go there or do something like MI, just know that like you're gonna do it because there ain't no half fasting it. Yeah, you'll be gone immediately. Like it's just they'll it's, just take your money and they'll run. just take your money and run, and it's that competitive. There's only so many spots. And they ain't just passing out grades, man. Like I spent, you know, I would have an 8 a.m. class. I'd get there at 6 to practice. Um, and I'd be there from 6 to 6, basically. Mm-hmm. E- either in a class or in my drum lab trying to figure out stuff that I suck at. Yeah. And doing that for three years will bring your skills up a little bit. Well, I actually have to wrap this up pretty soon because I'm about to cruise down to Santa Barbara. Do you want to answer know, these uh, joke questions? You Quick. got a bunch of joke Ra- questions rapid, rapid fire. Boys. Rapid fire. All right. What's the hardest you've ever drop kicked anybody? Tron over a balcony. <laughs> Almost killed him. I was I was twenty. We had a phase where we were drop kicking everything and everyone, <laughs> dude. Street signs, people. It was, it was a problem. It was a it was a phase. Okay, so rest in peace, Tron and Balcony. Um how deep are your V necks generally? 
The, You're wearing a little one right now. It's not super deep. The super deepest. Super deep. <laughs> super deep. <laughs> Depends on if I'm at home. If I'm at home, medium deep. If I'm going in public, dude, got to let the chest tat show. Yeah. Then we got a final uh, question. It was, uh, how do we get on a show with Radio Keys? And it's pretty easy. Um, just, I think the best way to get on a show with another band is to try to trade shows. It, yep. It seems pretty... You know, it's uh, I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing. Um, of course, we like to put up bands that we are friends with and stuff, and generally we do that regardless if there's any reciprocation. But I think if you're trying to book shows, the best thing you can do is try to be, you know, reciprocate with other bands. And then eventually you'll have this network of reciprocation. So that's my answer to that one. Yeah, I would say just show some effort, yeah. right? Yeah. Post on your social media. That's a big thing. Is uh, are you proud of being in a band? Like, there's yeah. so many ba bands who you feel like they have like one foot out the door. You're like, are you in this or are you out of it? You know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna say any names, but we played with plenty of bands where they don't even say on their social media that they're playing a show. Like, they don't invite their friends to the event. They don't post about the event. And it's just like, are you? Are you embarrassed to be playing this show, or like, are you proud to be playing this show? Yeah. Where where are you at? And there's a lot of bands, unfortunately, that are like one in, one foot in, one foot out. So just being like really on it with your uh, activity, and just being really passionate and enthusiastic, because no one's going to be passionate and enthusiastic about your music if you aren't. Hundred percent, right? You yeah. got to be your own. You're, you're like your biggest. Yeah. you know biggest fan fan biggest yeah. supporter you supporter, gotta be your, right. your own hype man dude exactly well i'm your hype man alante i appreciate it man. appreciate you coming hey on thanks pod. me ha thanks for having me on your podcast dude. dude we'll have you on again nah. i think we're gonna do a round table with all all the radio keys members is tom coming he's gonna be there yeah i'll, I'll be sick that day <laughs> all right well just a, few, a little bit of housekeeping um we uh released a single for let it shine on stream, uh, streaming services everywhere just because we want to give it a little more shine. That's, that's my <laughs> No. <laughs> Never do that again. You, you guys can't see, but he just made the weirdest face. Yeah, he should never do that again. But anyway, but seriously, the, the Shine single is, is killer. If I could say so myself, that's yeah. my favorite drumming in the whole album. It sounds great. What's that pattern you play in the beginning? It's a, it's a halftime shuffle. Yeah, it sounds yeah. awesome. You know, I stole that beat from... Uh, uh, what are they called? Um, oh well, I forgot. It's not stealing, dude. It's a it's a grapevine fires is the song. It's Death Cab, Death Cab from oh, Cutie. Oh nice. I changed it a little bit, but it's the same feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is somewhat stolen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to get that out there up front so people could access it because it's kind of buried at the end of the record, and we wanted to get it, you know, a little bit more with a, a spotlight on it. So uh, it's been doing better ever since we got it out there. And mm -hmm. uh, we also had it played on uh, the Hangover Sessions. Um, but anyway, we've got a show coming up November 23rd at Vinny's in Concord. And we have a bunch more to announce after that date. But please, if you didn't catch us at the CD release show or at an album release show in the past, Santa Barbara, wherever, Concord, um, please come out because I feel like we're really starting to fire on all cylinders at this point. We're going to be headlining, mm -hmm. so we'll be playing some new covers we have too, which we'll reveal. Yeah, we're we're getting in the lab. We're 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 going to bring some new stuff to the table, and we're going to keep killing the old stuff, man. And listen to the record on all of those streaming. 
platforms and at Stewart <laughs> underscore underscore Patrick. Yeah, for <laughs> anything he said, and don't cancel me, please. Uh, at what? Are, what is your s- stupid? I, I haven't had it for that long. I don't know how to You're use it. At really. Alante Piazza, that's pretty easy, dude. I Alante Piazza. I got tortured into getting that Instagram, and I don't post anything. Can someone please follow this man? He has fucking two hundred thirty-five followers. Yeah, <laughs> don't bolster your. Don't don't follow me because I don't post anything. <laughs> Follow anyway. Radio Keys at Radio Keys at Radio Keys Music. Yeah, um, you can see me there. So anyway, thanks again for coming on the old the old pod. And uh, well, you're gonna, you're in my house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're gonna keep searching <laughs> for that sweet soul music. That's sweet.